This is part two of a three-part conversation. We're talking with Al Gaston, floor covering retailer. He owns Columbus Flooring and More, based in Columbus, Georgia. You had mentioned the age of, uh, of, of customers, and I guess we're seeing more millennials walk in the front door of stores. Are you seeing that, and is that something that you, you know, you um, worry about, think about selling millennials? Yeah, not really uh, in terms of worry. Uh, I, I am learning that the way we communicate with millennials uh, is different, uh, and I've seen a couple of things on that. But uh, uh, just using my daughter, for example, you know, she'd much rather text than you know, call. Uh, if I call, it's almost like I've invaded her privacy, uh, and I have to remind her, I said, honey, you do realize that cell phone's for my convenience, not yours, right? <laughs> and and, and that doesn't work very well. Uh, you know, so how they receive information, how they want information, timeline that they're on a lot of time is different. And, you know, so then you take my parents' generation, and they would rather see something in writing. Uh, and don't rush it. You know, let's, let's kind of lay it out. Uh, and so it, it's a different, completely different spectrum. Now, um as we talked about earlier, most consumers spend some time on the internet before they ever walk in the front door the, the first time or the second time, I guess. That's that's changed the whole equation. I mean, I suspect they know more now than when they walked in a store six, eight, ten years ago. How has that changed the, the equation? I think you've got to ask a few more qualifying questions. And, you know, one is that you could have a consumer that comes in that's gotten a hold of some good information, uh, and therefore, you know, they they are a little more like a primed pump. You know, they they've got that basis, that foundation to work on. But then again, they could have seized on something that they saw, and you know, the the features and benefits were stated. Let's just say maybe overreached, and now you're kind of working against that a little bit, and we were talking about bridging and, and building trust. If they've got something already in their mind that's fairly well-rooted, you got to be careful that you're not flying in the face of that just right yeah. off the bat because you sound confrontational uh, as opposed to building trust. So you, you kind of have to figure out where they are uh, and then begin to work from there. Uh-huh. Has your basic philosophy about selling, selling floor coverings changed? Over the you know since you've been in this business, or over the last several years, anyway. I, I don't know that I would say it's changed as much as it's become more focused, um, and, and it is evolving. I, I will it, clearly admit that. Uh, but you know the way we communicate information and even managing the customers' expectations. Uh, you and I were talking uh, about moisture measuring, uh, and. <laughs> And I've had general contractors tell me, you know, how we've been doing it this way for 30 years, you know, and, and I said, yeah, but you haven't installed the HVAC system yet, and I haven't got moisture tests, and you want me to install. Uh, and uh, so, well, yeah, and I said, well, no. And uh, so I've learned to dig in a little bit on that, but I don't have those debates too much with contractors anymore because we clearly communicate that expectation up front when we provide a quote. And we're learning to do that more with the residential customers, too. Uh, our estimator, when he's out in the field, will try to get moisture uh, tests, even if it's a cursory test at the job site or the homeowner's uh, residence. And 
a lot of times that invites a conversation. Well, what are you doing? Well, I'm checking for moisture. Well, why are you doing that? And then he explains to them, you know, what he's looking for and just making sure that, you know, there aren't any hidden issues. And nine times out of ten, they're intrigued with it and they think we're being thorough, which we are, and they like that. Yeah, I can't imagine that it would be a, a downside to anybody. No. It works well. I see. So the commercial side of your business, you spend a lot of time on that then, obviously. Uh, we do. Uh, that's an important part of our business. I got you. Now, I've noticed that uh, you you had mentioned you are a Carpet One dealer. However, it appears like you have a separate website. You have you are on the Carpet One uh, website, but but you have a separate site. Talk about that. Well, we had the the uh, separate site first, uh, and Carpet One has gone a long way towards developing a very robust, uh, content rich. Side. So we we really enjoy our Carpet One site as well. So the fact that we'd already invested in that uh, separate site, which is weknowfloors.com, ties into a little bit of some of our local marketing uh, that parallels our Carpet One piece. So uh, if I were doing it over and the Carpet One sites were as uh, developed then as they are now, we probably wouldn't have a second site. I see. But you do get leads from your individual site that perhaps you don't get with the Carpet One site? You know, uh, our uh, local site, the weknowfloors.com uh, site, has a blog in it. And I think if there's one point of distinction, uh, it's that that blog tends to help uh, generic search uh, show up. Uh but again, you know, so does the Carpet One site. So I really think that the fact that we kind of point back and forth between them, uh, it enhances both. So you don't feel like you're perhaps missing leads by virtue of not having this this, this second site? I don't think so, Dave. Uh, I, I think that uh, you know, it it both of them work pretty well. Uh, you know, and and again, the only thing that I would point to is as a uh, distinction. Uh, and, and could be a hindrance, but it's the blog, and uh, uh-huh. I don't blog nearly as much as I should, uh, which keeps the content relevant. But when I get a question from the web or from a customer that I find kind of interesting, I might write a piece on it and stick a picture with it and share it. Well, blogs show up real well on search engines, so I suspect they do a good job for you. And and we do it for that reason and put the meta tags and those things on it and now I've used two words that weren't my vocabulary before I got in this business. <laughs> I bet there's a lot of words that are in your vocabulary <laughs> now that you never yeah. heard of before. Um, your sales floor, is there a rhyme and reason? I mean, do you set the sales floor in a certain way because that's the way you want customers to be, you know, to be uh, shown through it? Well, uh, there are physical limitations that, you know, come with any uh, sales floor and structure, and our building uh, is 50 years old, uh, and it's been added on to, so we work within those constraints, but generally, we're organized by the major product groups, uh, whether you walk into, you know, what we call our tile gallery or, you know, through carpet to the luxury vinyl flooring and then back around through our wood and laminate areas. Uh, so there is some flow to it, but it's really more uh, groups of uh, material galleries. 
I see. But not, I, I guess one of the things I was getting at, too, is just take carpet, for, for example. I suspect a lot of people buy mid to lower end carpet because that's what the kit salesman shows them and they don't know there is anything higher end sometimes. And I'm wondering if somebody wants to see carpet, do you make a, as a general rule, try to show them higher end things or fit that into the presentation in one way or another? Well, yeah, along those lines, we are organized. Uh, I won't say it's a good, better, best, but we do have uh, displays that lend themselves to being worked that way. Uh, within Carpet One, we've got Select the Floor, which has uh, uses our Carpet One metals, so you go bronze, mm-hmm. silver, gold, platinum, and titanium, and you can begin to qualify a customer in terms of you know texture and feel and what they're interested in and then you know kind of start dialing backwards towards you know pricing and warranties and what's important to them so there is some organization to that i gotcha now um i think i know the answer to this you coming from uh you know you're you had been a a financial person, if I'm not mistaken, before you got into the floor covering business, I have to imagine you have a bent towards uh, to technology. And d- does that extend to the management software that you use? It does. Uh, in fact, uh, we have five elements to our strategic plan, which we've had since we took over the store, and technology. Uh, actionable information, as I like to call it, is one of those five elements. I see. Well, talk about what kind of software package do you have? Uh, we're using RFMS. Uh-huh. And we've got most of the modules on there, uh, if not all of them. Uh, and uh, we are not as seamless in its use as I would like to be, but uh, we at least are moving down the path you know, from Measure, which is probably one of our least utilized modules, all the way through, uh, you know, the uh, billing, uh, or not billing, but the, the quote development, the purchasing, uh, then to the billing side, uh, and then, you know, what I call workflow processing, you know, the uh, receiving information, the uh, pick tickets, the work orders to our installers. Uh, in fact, that's one of the things that we're very big on uh, with our installers. You know, Dave, here's your work order. This is what this job is worth. These are the things that will be paid for on here. If you get out to the job site and something comes up that isn't on here, raise your hand, call the store. If you do something that's not on here, you're not being paid for it. You know, because we want a chance to talk to our customer, and our installers understand that. That's a key tool for us. That's a unique approach, I think, Un- unfortunately, in this business. I think, in fact, it, it seems to me a lot of the a lot of the good that goes in, you know, that they make on the front end of the store sort of finds its way out the back end of the store by virtue of having these loose or no controls whatsoever. Well, the installers are craftsmen, and, you know, as with any craft, some are are better than other, but, you know, the key is expectations and clear communications, but at the same time, you know, some discipline. When we took over, the pay system for the installers was manual, and every Friday, I called it the conga line, would come out of our service manager's office where everybody was lined up to negotiate for work they'd already done. I said, we're not doing that. You know, we know what the scope of this job is going to be, and if it's going to change, it's going to change with a conversation 
involving the customer. And so we, we put a stop to that, and I have had really very little pushback from the installers as we work through that. And again, we're not saying, you know, this is it, like it or lump it. We're saying, guys, this is what we're trying to accomplish. You know, y'all are independent contractors. You're independent business people. Y'all are working for the same reasons that we are. And ultimately, the person that pays us all is our customer. Let's work together to provide the best customer experience that we can. And, and it's worked. Well, I suppose it would seem to me if I were an installer, knowing what to expect on the front end of a job would be would be an advantage rather than have to wait at the end and feel like my sales ability is going to make, make the difference. I'm going to say yes to that. Uh, certainly that would be yes for the installers that work with us today. Uh, now, we've had some that uh, didn't quite fit that mold and they've moved on elsewhere. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think they, they, one, appreciate having the clarity of the work. Two is they realize that we're, we're trying, uh, we're not perfect at it, but we're trying to communicate with that customer what they should expect when that installer arrives so that the installer themselves aren't running into a buzzsaw where nobody told me that. Yeah, you know, well, yeah, we, we yeah. try to cover those things. So managing the warehouse and all the various um, items that end up on that tr truck in the morning. Uh, your software, I suspect, helps you manage all that. It does, because that same work order has a related document, which is the pick ticket, and you know that's another control point. We measure every roll that comes into the warehouse. Not that I don't trust the mills, but you know, like Ronnie Reagan said about the Russians, trust but verify. Uh, and so we, we check for obvious defects or the length or the quantity, the color, the style. We turn around, you know, two or three days later when the installer is loading out and give him his pick ticket to accept that material. He's now taking responsibility for it when it leaves our warehouse. And he absolutely has to count the cartons or the, the rolls, mm -hmm. the color, the style. And he can't get to a job site and come back and say, oh, well, I just installed what you gave me. No, you can read. Read your ticket, read the box. Well, that's obviously the way to do it, and, you know, it can, it, it can be awfully costly uh, if you don't, it would seem to me, keep, you know, keep that uh, um, in line real well. Well, it, it didn't take but one or two do-overs <laughs> to convince <laughs> yeah. me that yeah. the installers need to be part of the uh, quality control process. This is going to conclude part two of a three-part series. We're talking with Al Gaston. He is the owner of Columbus Flooring and More, based in Columbus, Georgia.